0: Episode 34. I was about to say 44. Was but, it? Oh. Uh, is it 30? I'm gonna say yeah. times.
1: Yeah, it it's is. 34.
0: Time's flying fast. I was going to say we're almost nearing the end of this year, uh, marking down the end of 2020. First year of the Mythic Morons podcast and first year of this pandemic to to go down into the history, into the history books.
1: Um, yeah, and it took you 34 episodes to get proper lumbar support for your back. Yes. And
0: that's what this episode is going to be about.
1: <laughs> <Yeah. Not. laughs> Sid's new desk setup
0: <laughs> Yeah Finally though like oh if there was like a One of those like human evolution Charts that's kind of pr- like what it looks like but in like A digression of my back right now Where it's like turning into A back into an ape you know Like that kind of posture but uh Like I actually went to the chiropractor For the other day just to like check myself Out and even my crap chiro- the, the doctor Was like oh yeah your posture is Completely out of whack
1: Get, get oh, that piece yeah. up for sure. But mm-hmm. it's not such a bad thing considering the internet's pretty obsessed with it right now with returning to monkey form. Mm. I don't know that's if you've got any of that, but um, yeah, it's something. I, I will just apologize to the listeners beforehand, though. There is a pretty gnarly storm outside of my window right now. So you might hear some wind noises, some rain droplets. And uh, yeah. yeah, my bad. You about got that, that
0: too, that. eh? We got some. Uh, yeah, I, g- I guess that's a Ontario wide situation right now. Because that's, oh, I was going to say sure. the same thing. Yeah, there's uh, there's shit flying out in my backyard, for sure. <laughs> just, I was going like to say, like, the like right before we recorded. Yeah, no, right before we recorded, there was um, a couple barbecue, like, spatulas and shit. I just saw tumbling, so. Hopefully, uh, not too many distractions in the mic. But, uh, what is it, like,
1: 100 kilometer hour winds is what we're dealing with right now. That's what I read. Yeah, Apparently, the Dorchester, Ontario sign out by the uh, 401 blew over, so that's something. There it is.
0: Now, nobody knows if they're going to be in the city of Dorchester or, or the town, I should say. Yeah. No one reads that
1: sign anyway, so it's not a big deal.
0: Yeah.
1: N- now, it's even more out in the middle of nowhere. It's really not, like when you think about it, but...
0: Honestly, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Maybe it's like the most popular, like it's... Where Where are you again? Where are you? Not to give away it, your
1: location too much, but... Oh, out, out near London, yeah. Ontario. Not okay. the, the fake London, the shittier London. The yeah. far shittier London. Um, and I'm—we're literally—it's just a 401 town. We're just off the 401. We're one of those. So that's towns. like that's like Pickering. That's a lot like Pickering, pretty much right off the 401. Um, yeah, Dorchester and Pickering, similar. Yeah, sister it could, cities.
0: It, it could, you know—I wouldn't doubt it.
1: Uh, but anyways, I kind of just want to jump right into it. da 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 da.
0: I will da, never da, get tired da, of that da, theme song. Da,
1: da, 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 da. I listen to the entire credits every time. Yeah. And if you're not, you're doing something wrong because that is a banger. It's a
0: banger and um, it's just sick to see the concept art at the end too. It's like, um, it's um, a perfect pairing to see that kind of, was it you before that was like, oh yeah, I think that's the, um, I think that's like the behind the scenes of it all, of, of the show or something like that. I forget if that was you those times but like yeah that's if you stick around for the credits um of the mandalorian you're gonna see like the concept are pretty much of, of the episode that they just showed us but um cheney we got an interesting episode of the mando to talk about because we laid down some pretty some pretty deep predictions in the last episode
1: uh, and i uh, was completely wrong as per usual yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Ye- continuing my <laughs> common trend <laughs> maybe you guys shouldn't be listening to this podcast but fuck <laughs>
0: No, it's not too far off. We're we're continuing. Um, I hope I hope um you know we kind of, obviously established that we're gonna be getting into spoilers now, um for the Mandalorian episode, uh, three I guess, um yeah. in my opinion finally kicking things off into into like kind of where the season's heading into. Um, we get to see, I guess I was right in my prediction. We got to see not one Mandalorian but multiple Mandalorians. Uh, did I was completely wrong. Uh, (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah. You were really wrong, yeah. Well, okay, to be fair, like, the promotional material completely fucked me up over on that. Because when they got to that planet, and I recognized that was the planet they're going to in episode three, Mm -hmm. in the promotional material, they showed Mando being stalked by a hooded figure. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh, well, that's a Jedi, right? Because obviously only jedis really wear robes and shit and if Th- one's That's what I wedding, thought too. Went. I thought that was like
0: only jedi's shop at those kind of places, you know? And get those kind of hoods like I was thinking the same thing either it was a jedi or a
1: sith, but no, sidetracked completely. Yeah, completely bamboozled us with the promotional material and mm-hmm. and fair enough to them. Um that character is also known as Sasha Banks, a popular WWE wrestler. Oh yeah, so.
0: that is that's fascinating so she's um well, what a crossover there
1: she's like yeah. a, officially a star wars character like is she still wrestling too? Or, yeah she's still wrestling but uh her acting in tv shows is just as well she's got a big well, break there with the star wars gig I'll Tell you that I, I like it's fun seeing her but i was like the way she reads her lines is oh i don't even know I'm glad she only had two lines in this episode. No offense yeah. to her. I'm, she's she she just was a cool
0: out. background character. I'll say that. She has um, a cool look to her, like in the show. And She has uh,
1: swagger. Then that's why yeah. like people like her in the WWE as well, back when I still watched, was the, the swagger she induced within the ring. So I can see why they cast her because she's supposed to be that sort of second hand to uh, Bo Katan, yeah. just swagging it up. And, uh, yeah, that's one of the Mandalorians who I recognize was Bo-Katan.
0: Yeah, so I think that's the only one, like, we were led to recognize, I guess, uh, coming from the Clone Wars show. That was pretty cool. Um, I totally butchered the actress's name in the last episode. But, yeah, Katie Sackhoff, uh, who also voiced Bo-Katan in the Clone Wars animated show. So she's reprising, or not, I guess, yeah, kind of reprising the character in live action, which is pretty
1: sick. I'm surprised how much she actually fucking looks like her. Like, I know the, yeah. the hair definitely helps a lot, but, like, yeah, yeah, definitely just looks like her. It's just crazy.
0: Yeah, they did. Um, I see that. I was kind of questioning now, like, in the timeline where it fits, like, if we're getting deep into it already. But, you know, in, in the Clone Wars animated series, she's supposed to be, like, around Obi-Wan's age, I'm assuming, because uh, maybe a little younger, but, like, around that time period. And, you know, this is supposed to be after Return of the Jedi and last we see of obi-wan near this area he's like an old man so she is kind of tripping me out in in that kind of sense you know yeah either she was like mad young as a mandalorian warrior in in the clone wars which i'm thinking like that could work she could have been like a teenager badass you know kind of adds to her character and and she's just a grizzled kind of mandalorian surviving right now but what do you think
1: uh i think it might just be a plot hole and they just kind of want to something to link to the Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, I mean, it can't, It would... I can maybe suspend my disbelief if she was, if she was like, 20 in the Clone Wars and now she's, like, what, 50-something 50 50, now? 50, yeah. Or, yeah, I don't know. something like that. But I can guarantee, like, they're either not going to address it at all or they're just going to say something like, oh, she got carbonite frozen as a means to, like, preserve herself to eventually take back mm. the throne of Mandalore or something mm, like that. that so, that's a... they have bullshit retcon fucking potential already so it doesn't even even really matter Um, yeah
0: they've established enough plot devices to handle character aging problems
1: so yeah it was was kind of weird this is like the first time Mando has really stepped into the mainstream line of Star Wars content if you know what I mean and this is still side stuff because Bo-Katan isn't like exactly a hugely important character in the total context of the star wars universe but mm-hmm. still was like a major character in a significant arc within clone wars so like seeing mando sort of take his first steps into other established parts of the expanded universe was pretty cool in hindsight
0: yeah and yeah he also has a link to the clone wars i guess it just kind of makes um the gal- the galaxy's conflict kind of uh like, the canon kind of flows, you know what I mean? Like, there's interconnected events, and, and now, like you said, Bo-Katan wasn't really, uh, like, a main character even in the show, but now this kind of leads you into more questions, especially, like, with what her what her character is, like, talking about in this episode, what she wants, more importantly, um, with the Darksaber. And, like, it made me think about, like, the whole, um, like, the, the idea even that the Mandalorian are kind of, like, in different sects, uh, like, different... Sectors, different um, like cliques, whatever you know, gangs or whatever, and um, there's they have different codes, and and that's one of the first things that's kind of introduced in this episode.
1: <clears throat> um,
0: I thought that was kind of cool too. You know, it's it's a disconnected Mandalore uh, or a different disconnected race of people here, and uh, they had to kind of they kind of had to learn how to work together in this in this situation. Uh, I found this episode was kind of a really classic in structure sense like classic Mandalorian episode you know the way they set it up with um, just kind of first arriving on a new world um, seeing like I, I will get into all the specifics because I think, I think every aspect of what they were showing was kind of cool but this was a really uh yeah like felt to the point kind
1: of t- really well structured well paced episode this was the first episode that reminded me of my favorite episode I didn't like this episode as much as the heist one in season one but it, yeah. it reminded me it's the same sort of narrative structure yeah, where Mando yeah. needs to do this certain job to get somewhere further in his own personal journey and the action scenes that take place sort of reminded me of the heist quite a bit and it wasn't really a heist it was like you know just stealing weapons no but it's very reminiscent years. kind of but yeah, very like, reminiscent yeah yeah I agree with you
0: uh that that's cool cool connection there um interesting too yeah you, know, you know who directed this episode it was the director of like one of my least favorite episodes from the first season uh bryce dallas howard who returns to direct this episode
1: yeah i was surprised to see her name i forgot she is into like directing now and she i i know i i was like oh yeah she directed some episodes and in, mm-hmm. in season one so um it, far, it's good that, far th- better it's, far
0: better episode than um
1: like the previous one, but sorry, they mean to cut you off. Go on. Um, it's good that they're bringing, they're not just bringing in random people though. Like you need mm-hmm. to have consistent directors throughout the episodes to have some sort of consistency throughout the show. Cause as we all know, one of the biggest problems plagued with any sort of star Wars content that has come out since 20 fucking fifteen, fourteen. 14, when are the force awakens come out? Yeah. 15. I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> Anyway, it, it, it's consistency within the story. A consistent feel, consistent vision between creative people. So it's good that she's returning. And, you know, even better that there seems to be some sort of improvement in the craft. You can sort of get more comfortable within the universe, get more comfortable with the characters. And I think that's only going to benefit the show long term for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: It's uh, it like surprised me. Every episode seems quality-wise getting, uh, not necessarily in a storytelling sense, that, that can be debatable on many fronts, but in a filmmaking standpoint or in a just general quality of presentation, I find, like, it's, the seams are just more invisible each episode around. You know what I mean? Um, like, from the opening of this episode, kind of when we arrive on the the, the homeworld of the frog lady and we're kind of continuing her story finally, uh, I thought that was, like, such a cool, like, just, like, you know throwing it back to um to a new hope honestly just the opening of that kind of arriving on a new world and seeing the life on this kind of planet and um the i guess what i'm trying to say is just uh, the exploration of the galaxy i thought was really cool uh really well done in this episode i think there was like a lot of time spent um exploring just the i don't know what planet specifically they were on but um, the, the Practicality of the whole world. It, nothing looks CGI. There was the design language was thoroughly like just Star Wars You know, there was that ATAT kind of like Walker that was in the background that you could see that was like makeshifted into kind of some construction thing and um, I thought I'm like wow, this is like No TV show is putting this much effort into into its kind of into its presentation,
1: you know? Yeah, it was really cool seeing a water world because we haven't really seen many of those and this one mm-hmm. is sort of like um, it, well again sorry about the Canadian influence but it did remind me of like a Lake Ontario Lake Erie vibe with the it, it's just like kind of gloomy and foggy around the coasts and
0: mm-hmm. though I've never been it kind of reminds me of Nova Scotia
1: kind of like a fisherman's town yeah, you know what I mean yeah exactly yeah um, for sure um, and it was cool seeing Mont Calamari and the corn because yeah yeah um it, it kind of just adds even more intrigue to the to this planet in particular because those two aliens don't really like each other and mm-hmm. this isn't their like home world mm-hmm. um and it's just cool to see this planet where they're kind of just like existing simultaneously it's almost like
0: another tattooing you can imagine where this is like except like completely opposite it's not a desert but it's um probably just another kind of like habitable world where people come to work just workers kind of come trying to find money um and yeah you know like it, it in without any dialogue because the those opening moments are really kind of not telling you much other than reconnecting the fish lady to her husband which was we'll get into that in a sec too i love that love that emotional heart moment there but um with really few dialogue you know we're, we're given this just through visuals through uh, setting and you know sets and stuff were given a great story kind of unfolding um, It's hard to describe because it's really just a visual set piece But uh, I was really impressed with that and and then moving on into into the into the reunion with the fish lady Like what there's your Star Wars show Cheney. There's your spin-off right there It's called um, it's called sex and the fish lady in the city. No, <laughs> no that was
1: okay. It. Yeah, that was pretty that was actually. <laughs> that horrible. was rough yeah, it's, I could uh, see a sitcom though, a sitcom,
0: you, know. I, you know, the sitcom would be when they were babysitting baby Yoda, because I thought that was such a well done scene. Like that was brilliant when he was just like, uh, I, I'm talking to you. I know what you're, I know what you're thinking. Uh, but that was, yeah.
1: Apparently there's a big hoorah online about baby Yoda eating those eggs. Like people were right? actually very mad. That a became very... the like moral
0: conundrum of the week worldwide.
1: I know. Talk the about The ethical conversation. Yeah, let's yeah. not talk about the, the global pandemic. Let's talk about this non-existent that's fictional incredible. character of a fictional species of alien eating another fictional species of alien's eggs and how yeah. that's problematic. Anyways, fuck it. Enough of the dumb world. Let's go back to the cool world that is The Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, I really wish... Because they are starting to harken back more to the prequels. I do think with Filoni on the show, we're getting more appreciation for what the prequels and the prequel slash Clone Wars era had to bring to the Star Wars universe. I really wish they used one piece of music when they're entering the atmosphere. Mm, what's that? Because that, oh, I forget the name of the song, but you remember episode three, obviously. Of course. My favorite and you remember when they flew half a ship into Coruscant? Yeah. Yeah, I I was thinking
0: the same one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I wanted that song to play so bad because that would have been
0: perfect. That would have been apt. Yeah. That would have been pretty perfect.
1: And I get it. And I get it that they're sort of trying to avoid using main trilogy shit for this because they're trying to make this its own thing, which is fair enough because it should be. Mm -hmm. But come on. Like when the opportunity arises like that, you get, you got to, you got to pounce.
0: Yeah. I, I would agree with you. It'd be cool to get at least some hints of the John Williams thing. Um, that would have been cool. That would like, um, though. I'd, I I'm a I'm a huge fan of the score in this in this show. Like by, it's 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 completely different from what John Williams does with Star Wars. You know, it's um, we've talked about the composer before on the show, Ludwig Göransson. <clears throat> he worked with uh, Christopher Nolan on Tenet, bunch of other people on a bunch of other movies. But I like the uh, like kind of boundaries he's pushing with the sound. You know, he uses a really a wide variety of instruments, like. Uh, For sure, just synthesizers and uh, electronic kind of influence musics uh, While mixing in, of course, traditional classical played instruments And everything has a different tone and a vibe You know, when characters' scores kind of shine It it feels different, it kind of says something about who they are, where they're from Um, But yeah, uh, where are we going from there?
1: Mm. Well, um, Mando does what he usually does And he walks into a bar Yes, the and uh, baby Yoda tries to get some food that he doesn't like. Yeah, that was uh, that was the most unappetizing looking bar I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it wasn't great looking, but I guess that's something squid and octopus people would be eating. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess although there's that little squid. Don't you think it's a little weird that squid and octopus people are eating octopus looking things? Yeah, right. That's that's kind of one of those uh like. The fish
0: eat fish kind of situations. That's uh that's what I was thinking too. That there was like the little face hugger. I was thinking too, there's like a lot of face hugger kind of inside jokes that they got going on in the in the season. At least yeah. two or three by now. Well, there's two in this episode. <laughs> yeah.
1: Alone. Then, and even in the previous episode there was a handful. The whole I episode know. was. <laughs> you know. Maybe we're just looking too far into it, but it was okay, hold on, hold on. It was a funny moment. This yeah. isn't really a complaint about the show, but how many things are going to try to eat baby yoda every single fucking episode yeah (laughs) how many big monsters do we need that's a good question
0: that's pretty much a writer's trope at this point is put baby yoda in some kind of a danger or some kind of adorable conundrum let's call it even in this episode there's like three or four times you just see a little creature dangled in front of his face or something like that it's become like the trope because you know what it is I think I've realized it by the end of this season they're gonna have like five or six of those um, mini bobblehead Baby Yoda dolls where he has like a little creature in front of him you know or like a little side attachment creature oh so
1: you think it's all about the marketing
0: eh I think it's about the marketing I think they're trying to sell those pop figures those Funko
1: Pops now to be fair it was we did discuss on how like Mando's only weakness really is Baby Yoda um, yeah which I hope they don't lean on too hard there's got to be something else that you can go to um with regards to adding some sort of peril to any situation in this show yeah um i'm not saying it, it's gonna they haven't old explored but that. It yeah old. they haven't explored that as much i guess in this season right yeah um mando's not necessarily that vulnerable um he's kind of a tank he seems invincible at some points and um, the only time that's where his vulnerability can show and peril can be added to the scene, and we can get invested in the scene, is when baby Yoda is in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, I, I, it's, it's tough. And I, I know in the writer's room, it might be even tougher, but like there's got to be another way to add some sort of tension to a scene without it involving baby Yoda. Cause I'm pretty sure he's going to be fine. Yeah so mm. it's pretty much become one of those situations like one
0: punch man where you know in a fight he's it's not like that's not where the tension necessarily is where he's gonna get in a in a one-to-one fight or even you know in mando's case we've seen him get ganged up by before and you just know that's gonna be a, a no problem for him um so the way i reckon it almost is for him the conflict is always gonna be like a moral dilemma so one is when it comes to the life of baby yoda obviously Um, and something this episode pointed out, which I thought was interesting, um, one, something that expands on the Star Wars lore, that's a plus, obviously, and also just, you know, getting to know the Mando is how he, when he comes into contact with the group of Mandalorians that we are, you know, obviously comes to this planet looking for more Mandalorian, looking for more of his people, and when he finally meets them, um, it's like a fat realization it's like these aren't my people they're a different kind of mandalorians you know they immediately remove their helmets and like as an audience now we're we've followed mando enough to know like that's a no-no when it comes to him you know don't take your helmet off if you're
1: if you're rocking the mando helmet if you're rocking the Beskar. Yeah. um it did help fill some type of plot hole because i was also wondering throughout like the first season first season of the show like is the helmet removal thing something new? Because I I remember often that Mandalorians would take off their helmets, um, mm-hmm. and it right, turns out. Yeah. Well, yes, some do, and these crazy religious assholes don't. So it, it I find it kind of funny that Mando is like, and even. Smaller portion of the Mandalorian right. Creed yeah he's just yeah he's
0: like it made me think like is he thinking on what side did he fell on like by chance like you know what where did he chance upon in this wider galaxy um, yeah like that's a really good point it's just uh, he's just the tiniest kind of portion like a pawn really but we're folk. this show is the focus of him um, and what else uh, yeah another thing I thought was like that like Link to, to the Clone Wars. is like so relevant in the show because they, it shows that the group of Mandalorians that he's rescued by in the first season is the Death Watch, which, you know, we obviously know them from the Clone Wars. And that's also the Mandalorians that we're seeing in front of us. So there's kind of like multiple connections going on that as an audience, like if you're, if you're, you know, aware of these things kind of makes you think a little bit like where are they going with this story, you know? But obviously, I think they're not trying to get us to overthink those things and like get us to read too much into it. But in a mainline story sense, it it shows like how complicated the whole situation really is. Obviously,
1: I think they were used quite cleverly in in this context um, with with the the Mandalorians introduced in this episode because it helps create a thread because of um, oh I forget Esposito's character's name. Um, Kidian, yeah yeah um moss moth Kidian, yeah moth yeah, sorry my bad um it helps create this thread between moth kideon mando and bo-katan because bo-katan obviously wants the dark saber back because that's the um any ruler of mandalore that that is the symbolic thing of them leading mandalore because I forget the the guy's name, but like back when the Mandalorians and the Jedi were at war, for a long time, um, the leader of the Mandalorians wielded the dark saber. Yeah. So it's sort of been passed down and 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 shown symbolically that the leader of the Mandalorians should wield the dark saber, and since she is in like um, in line for the throne, and she is, she obviously wants that as a means to rally her people to get Mandalore back. And again, we learn some more lore about Mandalore and how there's some Empire propaganda that was going around, how it's like some sort of desolate planet now because it's war-ridden. But Mm. she knows the truth that it's still hospitable. This is just Empire propaganda and her ultimate goal is to get it back. And maybe Mando can eventually help her. Because I think they're going to have to cross paths again. Because...
0: Obviously. Yeah, I don't He's- think they're I don't think they're using her as or, or like this plot line kind of as a one off. I think there's definitely uh like this is leading to somewhere, you know. With the Darksaber with uh with yeah, they're with Gideon, like you, you kind of put it perfectly. There's a three way connection going on now, and I, I hope somewhere in this season or maybe the next they get to they get back to Mandalore somehow. I really love that planet. I'm a big fan of it from the show, and the last time we saw it, it was getting fucked up in the middle of a siege, and we don't know, you know, in the timeline what's going on now, uh, so yeah, that would be, I think that would be cool to see, like, later on, but it was going forward in this episode, I think just really action-driven in kind of their mission, I kind of zoned out at at what they were going for at that point, but it seemed like the whole thing was leading up to just Bo-Katan wanting to ask about the Darksaber, but yeah primarily action driven which was just really great action overall i thought uh, oh yeah
1: the action within this episode was awesome it was it was some of the best in the series for sure it's it's fun just sure. watching um it's kind of like watching not the raid but like some marine Ooh, military good, movie good comparison where, though yeah it where um, it's
0: like just top of the line hit class like fucking military action or just going at or military soldiers are going at it
1: yeah, where you can like they're just sort of taking apart the situation. They're using all their tools. They're they're doing some cool tricks and and shit like that. So it's uh, it was it's fun. like the
0: episode, Yeah, it's like uh, kind of nothing before ever seen in Star Wars because you're usually used to seeing like one Mandalorian shooting at a bunch of bad stro- shooting stormtroopers. But this was the most elite live action Star Wars kind of action set piece. If you know what I mean. Other than episode two coliseum scene. right of course yeah of course of course yeah legendary you know what i mean i think in a a sense of live action it's cool to see like the elite commandos going at it you know we've seen it obviously in clone wars a bunch of times with the mandalorians but seeing a group of them together you know not one but multiple that was that was uh,
1: a little cool it just helps um display the power dynamic that these are a special group of people and there's a reason why we're following them, where if they yeah. team up, they can literally take down an entire Imperial cruiser, which is yeah, like, really cool. It, so. Lethal. Lethal task force there. Um, oh, I did anything? like um, other insight that it gave us into the current state of the Empire, because the Empire is kind right. of just sort of scattered. And right. Do what yeah, can. I forgot about that. I forgot
0: about the Empire side of things here.
1: Yeah, it, they're just kind of like harbored on this planet as a means to like maybe lay low but like mm-hmm. there's there's not a huge empire presence anymore they're this weird pseudo faction um they kind of just exist as empire loyalists and, at this point yeah um they're obviously at this point still, i feel bad
0: for them you know i'm I like feel, what are you fighting i do fighting feel a little for? bad for them yeah, what are they fighting for? Poor fucking suckers.
1: Yeah, this this show is doing a good job of again blurring the lines between rebels, empire, and like regular folk, um, because it's just like what I said before. Like when it comes to regular, everyday people who aren't necessarily invested within the the war that is the Star Wars, it's kind of just seen like these two fucking crazy factions of people that are just duking it out for no reason and they kind of just it's just really weird it's it's so weird looking at the empire from this sort of perspective this outside perspective like mandalorian the mandalorians aren't really against the empire they just want their weapons and the darksaber they're not really like idealistically opposed to each other compared to the rebels and the empire no it's just... even if
0: you think back yeah, So even if you think back to like in canon like where where they come from like they were essentially separatists but not like in the not in the combative sense like they weren't fighting against the republic you know they were isolate like isolationists uh as of a people in a planet so they completely don't give a fuck about the jedi about the war the galaxy they pretty much got fucked over by the empire and in some sense want revenge for that By wanting their weapons back Their best Beskar and shit like that But you're right Like they completely They're so detached from The Skywalker Kind of line of shit going on In the galaxy you know uh, That it's such a cool place to be Focusing a story on that point You're right uh, Even this Empire guy The the guy running the The, uh, the ship that they're on Like this guy's pure Empire And you're just wondering like For what at this point Like you know the death star got destroyed what are you the empire of what are they doing you know the guys in the cockpits are just like what the you you can see it on their face even they're like they're not even sure if they're going to go through with anything right now
1: yeah and it's just a sorry state for these guys yeah it's you know it is what it is like they're obviously still an imposing force within the context of the galaxy um I want to see a bit more of
0: that, you know what I mean? Because this is only five years after uh, Return of the Jedi, and, like, I, mean, I, I don't know what... Like, the I guess the sequels don't do a really good job to establish what the New Republic is at that point after, the, you know, the war. But, uh, like, yeah, I want to see kind of a galaxy and a 50-50 state, you know what I mean? Like, there's some parts of... And maybe this might not be the show to do that, but, yeah,
1: just expanding on that thought. I, I honestly... I honestly hope I we don't. I, I It's tough. I, I still want to see some Empire stuff, obviously. I still want to see some New Republic stuff. Um, but I, I kind of want this to stay clear of any s- sequel stuff because I don't want this to be eventually a crutch to explain the world in which the sequels take place in because mm. that would take so much work. And if they start it's just, it's a slippery slope from there to where it just becomes an explanatory series for the events leading up to The Force Awakens because there is no explanation for the events (laughs) that lead up to The Force Awakens.
0: I agree, I agree. Uh, No, that could for sure work in its own show. This show is kind of a slice of life story each episode, you know, just a slice of the galaxy, kind of, you get a new part of the galaxy in each episode, a new character's new adventure, that's its premise. Unless it's uh, Tatooine, but... Yeah, unless it's its favorite place and Cheney's favorite fucking episodes are in Tatooine of all time.
1: Um, But overall, this was a a much better episode than episode two, I thought, because yeah. episode two was definitely just yeah a stepping stone to get to this point. But mm-hmm. this point really did utilize the show's potential far more because it helped expand lore. Um, it helped create new plot lines. It helped introduce new characters. And it really did... Um, in conclusion, guide Mando to his eventual next goal, which I'm super mm-hmm. excited about. But I doubt we're getting in the next episode because this yeah. show is always such a tease.
0: Yeah, I I bet you the next episode's like he's he has to fill up gas, and and there's something goes wrong at the gas station, you know, and that's the whole episode. I wouldn't and... be surprised. It or bill like burr's character
1: episodes. comes and tries to ambush him that'd be great yeah
0: <laughs> oh that w- that, that's a prediction and a half right there but we got to see another bill burr episode before the end of the season i think that that has to happen somewhere soon there and, was uh, one
1: prediction in this episode i did get right though yeah it did say like within the first five minutes mando was gonna park it leave it with a mechanic the razor crest and by the end oh. of the episode it was gonna be fixed <laughs> big one that was yeah that was
0: a pretty you know you we could we could have suspected that happened but you were right there was a, um, a very important man uh mechanic um, a Corran mechanic who who's apparently you know like not good at fishing fixing ships which i thought their people were good at fixing ships in the star wars universe but
1: i mean anyway. yeah the mon calamari cruisers were the main cruisers in the rebellion fleets so yeah it's a little yeah, I think
0: that that was a pretty good yeah that was like a pretty good joke he's like really like you I thought you guys were good at fixing the you know yeah it wire. gets in he's like oh my calamarians yeah good good inside like you know good inside jokes written by the writer and here's the thing I've noticed none of the episodes so far have been written by Filoni they've all been written by Favreau oh
1: uh, yeah I'm excited I, I hope well maybe as we you know as as it shows we're gonna get more into into some more Clone Wars stuff um, yeah yeah we're he gonna, he has a, see, um, an episode directed
0: in this in this one. So, you know, usually his episodes are are notable in the series. Yeah, for I sure. think that's the fifth or the sixth one to look forward to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: directed Any or prediction?
0: written? Uh, directed is what I know of right now, like maybe even written. I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't doubt it. I sure. hope he's written more than one. Yeah. What what it leads me to think is if he's not writing anything on this series, he might be working on something
1: different. You know, on a on a esque show of his own. Mm, maybe he might be. Um, well, I heard the Obi Wan show is ramping up too. So yeah, yeah. Um, he might be having a hand in that as well, which will take place on my favorite planet, Tatooine. Yeah, like like they're really committing to Tatooine, man. Like since the seventies,
0: like hard. Yeah, but like I, we, I don't.
1: We... <laughs> Tatooine is like. I I get it, but it's also... It's so weird that this nothing planet in the Outer Rim has so much going on with it. Yeah, There's like one cantina in the whole planet, you know? There's like
0: one bar that everybody goes to and there's every person in the Galaxy of Importance meets up there for discussions.
1: You know? It's it's the place to be if you didn't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Grand Moff Tarkin um, got recruited to the Empire in that bar at this point with regards to (laughs) how often every origin story every origin story began at that bar
0: from Luke Skywalker to Grand Moff Tarkin it's incredible Uh, just a young Grand Moff Tarkin was like you know just slaying away at darts he was like not having good luck today with the you know he Grand Moff Tarkin when he was you know the young cadet in the Republic had an addiction to death sticks you know bad shit those death sticks are oh
1: yeah and uh you know what we haven't seen like okay like, again, this isn't, like, a huge complaint, but we've really only seen water, desert, um, ice. Fire Ones. Fire and Ones. We haven't seen Fire Ones in this series yet is what I was getting at. Oh, in the se- uh, Okay, I see, I see. So, like, I want to mm-hmm. see a fire planet, and I want to see, like, a tropical planet. You know what I mean? So, yes. Um, I think Scarif from uh, Rogue One, like, the tropical planet
0: they did on that, that was cool as fuck. Yeah. To see a tropical planet in Star Wars and you see like a line of stormtroopers walking on a sandy beach with water just, you know, yeah beach on their, troopers, on their shins. Beach troopers, yeah, shore troopers. Some death troopers. Give me some death troopers on the beach. Shoot
1: that shit. True. We already have death troopers in the show.
0: Which oh, is yeah. nice.
1: Um but yeah, give me some more planet variety, please. That's all I really ask for. Because yeah. even the even the planet we went to last time, it was it was a new planet, but it was just an ice planet and right there they're, they're arch you know that's
0: what star wars is about the archetypal archetypical kind of anything in star wars you Yeah, you get those you get the repetitive planets quite
1: often and if you're gonna go uh, back to known planets like go back to known planets that like haven't been explored in a while like naboo yeah coruscant or like, Coruscant. you haven't been to coruscant in a fat minute you know think of fat about it. fucking minute since episode three man
0: yeah it's an it's a pretty important character, I would say. Like, it is a character in itself. That's the cool thing, I guess, about these planets. Sometimes they do act as characters, you know, which it in a, in a sense. Like, I don't know. It, that's that's what you can hope for in the best when it's like it's memorable enough. But yeah, there's sometimes it's like you have so much storytelling opportunities in those kind of places. Like, okay, off on a little tangent, but I don't know if you ever if you ever looked into the um, like supposed episode nine colin trevoro draft like his episode nine draft. Oh yeah i
1: did i did yeah. i was actually just yeah, about yeah, to bring okay. that up yeah because he, and it curse on he it. was like what's that because they did curse on some justice it was it was oh yeah yeah exactly they, they were going back it. there and yeah yeah they
0: split like a it, it had a pretty big role in that one and yeah like you said it had justice it was like pushing the story forward and I got that was one of the only things that was like really well done in that kind of draft that I thought like if you're JJ Abrams and you want to take one thing in a movie it's like why didn't you take that you know because or like what are stories if not mystery boxes fuck off JJ Anyways. I think and I think you know what it is it's like those guys are like those people who are doing you know worked on episode seven and nine like they really hate the prequels man like or they're scared of it maybe they don't even understand why people hate it enough but mm-hmm. they're like Let's not touch anything prequel related. Uh, like if it was mentioned in episode one, two
1: or three, don't go there, bro. And it, you know, when it was mentioned, it was like a deconstruction or a criticism of right yeah, yeah, it so, was
0: oh yeah, it, it's oh,
1: there's there's some anything. definitely some hatred, some some Shady, a, and I get some, it because they're like, yeah. this is the thing to bring Star wars back because the prequels failed and um it 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 just had the opposite effect. It felt like well like the prequels don't have no value like i understand the hatred they got they they introduce some stuff like metachlorians which aren't really well loved within the star wars universe and the stories themselves aren't exactly not 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 well thought out because the, the overarching story is well thought out but in terms of like character development and all that Um, Mm -hmm. investment in the characters how the characters are written i understand the prequels aren't exactly well loved in that aspect but Mm -hmm. in terms of the world that was established within the prequels there's a lot to explore there and there's a lot love there and to completely disregard that as a means to sort of signal to original star wars fans that the star wars that you loved growing up is back was just petty as shit and it's cheap, yeah. yeah. It's one of well, my biggest grinds.
0: Meanwhile, alie- yeah, meanwhile alienating an entire generation, like at the same time that yeah. grew up
1: with those movies.
0: Hey, you know? me, yeah, we exist, JJ, fucking guy.
1: God, about get me all
0: emotional and shit. Well, we weren't the they target audience because they wanted they the want old... to do this at twelve. Uh, I know, don't they... yeah, like way to think about it, right? Like, not that we're growing up and we're people that want to buy the tickets. Like, who do they think buys the movie tickets three to five times?
1: Not the boomers, a
0: You're Not the boomers, bro. Come on.
1: Like, you're going to get the boomers because Star Wars, and you're going to get the boomers kids, and you're going to get the <laughs> boomers kids buying all the toys, and I get it. Sure. Like, that's where yeah. you wanted to make your money, and I understand. But, True. But who understands the, the guys, internet? The guys who? making,
0: exactly, the guys making your YouTube videos and making your podcast and talking bear shit. Oh, my. That's who you got to please now. Guess what I, mean, I watched
1: today? What? A one what? hour deconstruction of the prequel saga, an, es- an essay, a video essay on <laughs> why they're a failure and they're still making them by the way because this one came out days ago and they're wow. still making them. There's so many like this and it's incredible and ah oh. that that
0: makes me so happy. People still spend their days like deconstructing this the you know something I still spend my days
1: it. watching hours of videos smiling at them shitting on the yeah. on the sequels. It's yeah. It's a worthy deconstruction, you know. It's it's gonna be deconstructed for hundreds of it's years. It's literally yeah. one of the biggest flops in storytelling history, my dude. Yeah, it's fucked. How and do we get why off you on can this deconstruct tangent? deconstruct
0: the shit out of it? Ah, I don't know. We always get off in these tangents when when the prequels are mentioned. It's just sequel. Open yeah, yeah. From when the prequels are lock.
1: mentioned, then we go about how comparisons between prequels and sequels and yeah, yeah. Sorry to any it's sequel a, fans that may be watching, but um.
0: No, th- yeah, I, 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 when we get into like talking about those, there, I think there are some positives, but in an overall sense, like there's stuff that you can't ignore about the prequels. You know that because at the end of the day, there's things that the Star Wars prequels did that were inherently, uh, you know, trademark Star Wars, bro. Django Fett, what? That's the guy. That's, That's the guy. guy. That was the first, oh. the first Star Wars toy I ever bought was a Jango Fett Lego. Oh, really? And a slave one. And a slave one, yeah. Before um, I ever watched the movies, that was, like, the first thing I ever
1: got. I actually forgot to mention this because this is one of the highlights of the episode for me, and it's such a weird highlight, but um, Sasha Banks' character, that mm. Mandalorian, used pistols that sounded like Jango Fett's pistols, and it made me so happy.
0: Oh, yo, you're right. I Yes, I thought I'm like... I've heard this before. I'm like, is this, like, this is something that Mandalorians use, but I didn't make the Jango Fett connection. But yeah, that... I want to re-listen to that. That's yeah. interesting. Mandalorian I think pistols, Mando. Maybe. Yeah, Mandalor- Like the Mando has a similar sounding gun too. I think like his sniper, his rifle has like a cool sh- uh, sound effect too. But yeah, like the overall Mandalorians carry the best sounding weapons, from seismic charges to that rifle. To
1: Earth, oh and my! And shit. Don't even get me started on seismic charges. Oh. Yeah. I 100%. wonder if anyone's made a seismic charge ASMR thing that I can fall asleep to. A hundred percent. I'm gonna try 100%. it tonight, for sure. A hundred percent that um, would be that'd be the way to go maybe get back but on then, track do you have any uh, predictions yeah. for next episode
0: yeah um, I think I will I think you made the prediction too and I would agree with you I think we're gonna get sidetracked again on our route to find a Jedi um,
1: that Jedi yeah that's my prediction Ahsoka, Ahsoka.
0: Ahsoka I mean that was pretty well stated in, even in the episode so there's no guessing there we are like that's pretty cool too you know continuing on the Clone Wars thing we're gonna get more into that and see live action Ahsoka um, played by Rosario Dawson when we see that happen but I'm so excited I think yeah I'm really excited I, like where is it gonna go from there you know even with the yeah I don't know I, I really don't know um, this this episode again felt like like this is where it kind of propels from so it makes me think the next episode will be a bit slower paced like I will be surprised if it's kind of a thrusting like thrust you forward in the plot or immediately introduces you to Soka. I would be really surprised and happy if we kind of start fast like in the plot sense of things yeah um Um, i would obviously i I really want to see where the series is going you know there's a lot of elements in play here that i like i love the format where where it's just like you know kind of interconnect or disconnected short stories almost in each episode but um i you know what i have a feeling it's going to be a really uh like a filler episode really
1: yeah, it, it, the the show's been conditioning me to expect that, but I would be very yeah. excited to to get right to Ahsoka. And um, credit to the show for for putting this premise up to where it would excite me. Because I remember thinking, um, with regards to the Mandalorian, I don't even want them to touch the Jedi Sith um, sort of world. But mm-hmm. um, they've written the show in a way to where it intrigues me um Mm -hmm. and it might just be because it's ahsoka because ahsoka is um obviously a really interesting character that intrigues me it's gonna be interesting for him to bring baby yoda to her and talk about the jedi because she isn't exactly the biggest fan of the jedi so right right um that's gonna be a cool dynamic um but again next episode there's definitely gonna be some funny business some sidetrack thing that's going on like maybe the ship breaks down again because it wasn't properly fixed or whatever so um we'll see um and i hope maybe the show doesn't do this every time where you have filler episode plot lore heavy episode filler episode etc and keeps it going so uh, i'm hoping Mm -hmm. that yeah i'd really like to just jump right into the action or at least get to the planet and the episode's about finding her and then the next episode is actually talking to her at least something like that please
0: yeah i feel you another yeah it's it's like they're kind of getting back into the 30 minute line of things you know they started off strong a little nice like one hour of a movie essentially they have really started off strong in that first episode and then each episode has just gone shorter and shorter where i feel like the next one like you know how much more is left at this one they got five more episodes so they they have enough to kind of you know to a proper arc now i think where it's about finding ahsoka and what happens next like with the baby and uh is she gonna start training him like i think that has to be carried forward you know so i hope that's kind of where the story is going um but yeah i think you said it you said it great i think that's also one of my favorite things about this uh this show is it's uh and it's a perspective into the universe that we're not familiar with and into like the whole Jedi situation. like the way they introduce you with the Mandalorian is that um, you know you're somebody that is just a lone ranger walk kind of walking in the galaxy. So everything is new to you, everything every out uh, every encounter, every new philosophy or religion feels new and it's described to you kind of in a new way too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to see where this goes. Um, and yeah, with that, I think we're going to wrap this discussion up on The Mandalorian. And I think, you know, if, if, you know, if you're watching this series, then maintain the ongoing discussions with the show and keep on track with our discussions on Instagram, our conversations through Instagram at Mythic Morons. Uh, don't forget to leave a like, rating, and subscribe and yeah chaney anything else you want to add for that one
1: uh no just make sure to also check us out on youtube we're slowly adding oh, the yes. rest of our catalog so um at mythic morons there as well and yeah, yeah give us a rating on whatever you listen to your to your podcast on spotify apple Podcasts, google play doesn't matter um but yeah we're gonna move on to our main discussion so yeah. if you're interested if you in- made it
0: <laughs> yeah if you made it here then stick around for the next one